Hi, I'm Gordon. And I'm Fiona. We're from Gate Church International in Dundee, Scotland, and we'd like to welcome you to this week's podcast. Our goal here is growing people to bring Christ into our communities and to see you get connected with God, His people, and His purpose. We hope this message inspires you in your faith journey. Thank you. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for your presence in this room this morning. We thank you for the, the musicians. We thank you for all that you're doing in this place, in this room on this day. And we pray that you'd move in your power, your presence, and also your word. I pray, oh God, that our hearts would be supple. Our minds would be open. Our intellects would be changed. The seat of our soul and our heart would be changed for your glory, oh God. And we pray in our guts, we'd gain more guts and boldness in you, uh, the preaching of your word. We pray in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And all God's people said, amen. It's great to see you all here this morning. Um, we've, been, uh, we've been looking at uh, the Beatitudes last week. We've been looking through a wee bit of Matthew. Uh, we've been looking at fishermen. We've been looking at other stuff. But last week we looked at... Um, the Beatitudes, and we looked at blessed are the poor in spirit. And, and this morning, I, I, I want to share a word. I want to carry on, but you, you might hear words like sandwiches. You might hear words like ladders, and you might think, what is he talking about? But I, I want to start with a sandwich. Is that okay? So you're starving. So you, you, you don't go to McDougal's because you, you're not in the mood of a, 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 cheese, a double cheese, a triple cheeseburger. So you don't go to McDougal's, you know, you go there and you say, can I get a triple cheeseburger? And, you know, 30 seconds later, boom, it's there. But you go into one of these sandwich shops and you walk in and you can smell the bread. And you're like, man, that smells good. Then, then you stand in the queue and, and, and you're not served instantly. It, it might take 10 minutes to get to the front of that queue. And during these 10 minutes, you smell, your, you smell the bread and you feel the, the juices and the acid in your stomach turning, and you're like, oh my gosh, and you see somebody sitting down in that little restaurant, and, and, and they're having a drink, and, and they're eating their sandwich, and, 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 and they're enjoying it, and they've got a napkin, and they're wiping the coleslaw or whatever it is off their face, and you're standing there, and all you can do is you can smell the bread, and, 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 and you, your stomach is rumbling, and you're having to be patient to wait on your sandwich. But you get to the front of the queue and you're asked, what kind of bread do you like? And there's nine options. So you go for oti toti or whatever it's called. You get, your, you get your bread and they slice it open and you ask for meatballs or meat or whatever on it. And they say, would you like it toasted with cheese or without cheese? Then, then you get the option, would you like, would you like some salad? Yeah, I'd like some, would you like some tomatoes? Yes. I basically ask for everything apart from raw onions olives and gherkins. So that's my kind of thing when I go to one of these shops. I don't know, but I've seen some people that go and yell, they say, would you like tomato? Yes. They say yes to everything. And the sandwich is like thick. And, um, but he, he, here's the thing. You eventually get to eat into the sandwich and enjoy that sandwich. And it's absolutely delicious. And this morning, I, I, I want to... Um, Prepare the sermon like a sandwich. Is that okay? So there's, there's two slices of bread. So, so when we talk about the Beatitudes, 
we're, we're talking about the two pieces of bread. So there's eight Beatitudes, and the first one comes with a promise where they will inherit the kingdom of God. And the last one comes with a, a promise where they shall inherit the kingdom of God. But in between, it says that they shall be comforted. It says that they shall inherit the earth. They shall be satisfied. They shall receive mercy. They shall see, see God, and they shall be called the sons of God. But, but here's the thing. The, the first one and the last one, it says that they are inheritors. So before I begin today, and I'm only going to do one of the Beatitudes, I want to let you know that you are an inheritor, that you are a recipient of the kingdom of God. So when it comes to you and it goes through you for the glory of God. So as I preach this morning, I'm preaching to people who've already inherited the kingdom of God. Isn't that good news? Come on. I'm preaching to a happy group this morning. I'm loving it. So that, that, that's, that's the power of the sandwich. And, and when we look at the, the eight Beatitudes, they're actually taught in one unit. When Jesus taught on the, the side of the mount, Jesus was teaching in parables most of the time. But on this occasion, Jesus does direct download teaching. And he says, this is what the kingdom of God is like. And it's completely counter-cultural. It goes against the flow of what you think the Messiah would teach. Because happy are those, or content are those, or blessed are those who are poor in spirit. You know, if anybody was to stand up today and go to a motivational seminar, and someone was to say, blessed are you who are poor in spirit, people would start walking out of the room because they don't want to hear it. They want to hear, blessed are those who are loaded. Blessed are those who are rich. Blessed are those, and so on and so forth. But Jesus, Jesus is counterculture. I love it. And, and, and it goes on in, in verse 5. He talks about blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are those who mourn. And, and, and when we read that verse as a standalone verse, you can think, what the heck is Jesus teaching about? What's the problem with Jesus? But it goes on to say, for they shall be comforted. So the two things, the two words I focus on, yes, we mourn, but blessed and comfort. So two ears and one mouth, we can, we can say things in reaction, but the facts are that Jesus wants to bless us and he wants to comfort us as well. So the word has power. So, so Jesus, Jesus brings a word that brings light in the darkness. Can you imagine waking up on the 5th of November, and one of your friends sends you a text. And in the text, it says, I'd like you to come to my party. It's a firework party. There's going to be a barbecue. There's going to be triple cheeseburgers. There's going to be sandwiches. But at this triple party, I'd like you to come at 12 midday. You think, what is the matter with this guy? What is the problem? Why would you have a firework party at midday? when the sun is shining, and you can hardly see any of the fireworks. What's the point? But you see, what I love about Jesus' teaching is that Jesus is, is, is teaching us. It's like a firework display in the darkness. In other words, when Jesus teach us, teaches us, he's teaching us to be aware of the darkness that surrounds us. And when Jesus is teaching to people, he's preaching the light of his word, but he's also preaching to the darkness of the soul. 
And when Jesus preaches to the darkness, the light shines even brighter. And that's the glory of the power of Jesus' teaching. He preaches to the dark, yes, to the darkness, but he also brings in his light as well. In the Beatitudes, there's, there, there's a step down before there is a step up. What, what do I mean by that? Because it seems that in the first one, he says, blessed are the poor in spirit, which we unpackaged last week. But it, it, it's like blessed are those who are, you know, un, 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 um, raveled and they're undone and they're finished with the power of themselves, that they're finished with the power of self-motivation. They're finished with trying to do things in their own strength. So Jesus starts off taking us on a journey where we dip and we step down. The second one is blessed are those who mourn. But after that, Jesus begins to teach on blessed are the meek. So he takes us a step down into the valley, but then he lifts us back up by teaching the response of those who are meek. And, 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 how we sh and how he responds to people who have that posture who ha or have that mind and heart attitude. So it's important we recognize that it's a package. It's eight, eight beatitudes. It's, it's one unit. But this morning, I, I really just want to focus on one. Blessed. Blessed are those who, um, blessed are those who mourn. If, if you can imagine a, a ladder... And you probably think, why is he speaking on ladders? But if you, if you could imagine a, a ladder that, that goes up to the balcony in here or, or a window on a tenement that's three stories up, and the first rung of the ladder starts 15 feet in the air or three meters for those of you who are metric. So the, la the first rung of the ladder starts there. So it's like it, it's unreachable. We, we, we can't get there. We can't get on the first rung of the ladder is too high. It's, it's not obtainable. We, we can't touch it. We can't reach it. We can't get to it. We're so fr frustrated because we see the ladder. We know where we need to go, but we can't, we can't even get on the first rung of the ladder. The, the, there's a problem. And, and that's what it was like with, with, the law when, with the law of God is that people couldn't reach. People couldn't reach out and, and touch, but Jesus is, is reaching down, and, and he's going to base level, and he's saying, blessed are the poor. Blessed are those who mourn. So Jesus, Jesus is making, bringing the first rung of the ladder low. He's bringing it down so people can step in because he, he's reaching out to humanity in a way that he's preaching to those who are impoverished in spirit, but he's also saying, blessed are those who mourn. It's one of the hardest verses probably to preach. It's not an easy verse to preach. And I love the, the offering this morning when Jill talked about El Capitan, where someone was jumping from one edge of the super cliff to another with no ropes on. Sometimes it feels like that when you're preaching. There's some things you think, God, I, I don't know if I can teach this. I don't know if it's possible to do it. But by faith and by God's grace, we can reach out and grab some things in Jesus' name. Amen? Come on. So, blessed, blessed are the poor in spirit. Or blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. And it's, it, it's a hard verse, and it's not an easy thing to, to meditate upon. But blessedness means happy. It means inner peace. It means calm. It means relaxed. And, and it's appropriate for us to hear that on this morning. Blessed. We need to be in that blessed state. 
And often, I was saying this last week, we often think of, of blessedness as a state of having lots of blessings, which is good, but a blessed state is better where we actually have the kingdom of God. And, and, and the, start, the start of the rung of that ladder is from that place where we, we do feel uh, impoverished. The, the problem we find with Jesus' teaching is that, you know, in every motivational message that you'll hear, gain is popular. Everything is about gain. Everybody wants to gain everything apart from weight. So we, we all want to gain. So it's all about gain, gain this and gain that, how you can get this, achieve this. But, but with Jesus, it, it's loss. It's all about loss, and loss is not popular. Nobody wants to preach on loss, but it's what Jesus taught. Blessed are the poor. Blessed are those who are in mourning. So there's something about Jesus' teaching that is counterculture. It goes against motivation. It goes against the flow. It goes against what a lot of people are saying in the world about maximizing your life and all that kind of stuff. Jesus starts off with loss. Then it's like, what the heck? What is going on? Why does he teach this stuff? But Jesus is teaching the power of the kingdom. And I love his teachings on the kingdom because it's like we have to lose everything. And I remember when I was first a Christian, I came to belief in Jesus Christ. And I believed in Jesus. I believed in the gifts of the Spirit, spoken tongues, prophesied, saw things, had dreams, all that kind of stuff. But it was like I, was, I wasn't broken. And I remember just saying, God, break me. I kind of regretted it at the time. But I said, Lord, please break me. And it was like this tremendous brokenness came upon my life, and I, I, I was aware of, not just of what I had, but of, of, of what I didn't have, and what I did have all, seemed to be all the sinful nature, and it was like I was desperate to give up things, but I didn't know how to, and I, I remember uh, reading something about the sinful nature, I think it was Spurgeon or one of the, um, or was it D.L. Moody, it was one of the famous preachers, and he talked about being a sinner, and I, I realized that I, didn't, I, I hadn't just sinned before God. I actually had a sinful nature where sinfulness was intrinsic to who I was and to, to, and to my very being. And this was like a revelation to me. And I didn't understand it. And I began to read the Scriptures again. I'd already through, read through the Bible once, and I didn't get it. So I was reading through stuff. And I realized I was aware of my sinfulness and my, aware of my need for Christ. So that neediness, that, that need for God came through a brokenness. And I realized when, when, I, when, I, when I read the Beatitudes, Jesus is preaching to disciples who had given up everything. Yes, he's preaching to a crowd, but he's also preaching to disciples who've given up everything. Yes, there's an excitement, but yes, also, there's an incredible brokenness and a tremendous sense of loss. These these fishermen who'd given up everything had thrown away their businesses to follow Jesus. So he's, he's teaching into that context. Blessed are those who mourn. They're probably mourning the loss of their businesses, the loss of their families. So the context is th these disciples. But for us today, it still has power. So blessed. Jesus understood what it was to mourn. Jesus mourned over Lazarus as an example. It also says that Jesus mourned over the city of Jerusalem. So Jesus understood what it was to mourn the loss of someone 
or the loss or the ruin or the turmoil where Jerusalem would be turned over physically as a city and every stone would be overturned. Jesus understood what it was to mourn prophetically, but he also knew what it was to mourn personally as well. So Jesus understands mourning more than anyone else. Jesus understood what it was to mourn his own life because he was about to face the cross. So Jesus understood the power of mourning. So he wasn't just teaching something that was a theory. He was teaching a kingdom seed and a kingdom principle that would change the mindset, the heart set, the gut set of his very disciples and the crowd who were listening to him. But the goodness of God is such that the words of Jesus changes people today as well. So blessed are those who mourn. It's like a, it's like a paradox. It's, it's just such a shift in, in, in mindset. It's just such a shift in teaching. It's such a shift in how people were thinking even at the time. But Jesus, Jesus brings in this teaching, and, and, and it's so powerful, and it's so wonderful. Augustine, uh, who, who uh, a great theologian, in, in the days prior to his conversion role, I grew more wretched as you came nearer to me. And, and it's, it's like in, in people's pursuit of the Lord or God's pursuit of people, people as they come close to Christ, they, they, they have an awareness of, of their uncleanness or their unworthiness or something is not right within me. Many people today believe in Jesus, but it's in that closeness and drawn, drawn that, that, that nearness to the, the Messiah, drawn, drawn that that closeness to God, we, we realize there's something smelly about our lives. And often that brokenness, that stench, that wretchedness, it, 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 it's, a, it's a process in God where, he, where, he, where he's allowing what, what's, what's unclean or unpleasant before his ears and his eyes and his nose. He, he, he wants rid of that in our lives. So for some, I've seen people come to, to faith in Jesus Christ and they're broken instantly. They repent instantly. They're aware of the wretchedness instantly. They're aware of the sinful nature instantly. But I've seen others like myself. It took, took me a year to be aware that, of, of the power of sin and how ingrained it was in my life. But I've seen other people, and it's taken decades for them to be aware of the wretchedness and the sinfulness. I've seen people give their lives to Christ in their, their, their latter years, and just got this awareness of the emptiness it's like the bowels of the soul has been emptied. Everything is gone, but all they've got left is the, the presence of Jesus. And they say, oh God, I want to know you. So I'm preaching, you might be ready to respond to Jesus this morning. You might be on a journey, but be aware that God wants you and he wants you holy. But that holiness only comes through, through Jesus. It only comes through Jesus Christ. It only comes through the Son of God. It only comes through him. Blessed are those who mourning. I want to take you through four kinds of mourning this morning, if that's okay. This morning. morning. So we want to go through four kinds of mourning. Blessed are those who mourn. There's what you'd call natural mourning or grieving for someone you have lost. And it's horrifically painful when any of us have lost someone that we love or someone that we know. The pain is unbelievably intense. Blessed are those who mourn. For, for many of us, we've, we've lost people, parents, loved ones, relationships, whatever it may be, or some things, and we're left broken, and we're left mourning 
through that thing. But, but Jesus, like I said earlier, Jesus understands what it is to mourn. He mourned Lazarus. He mourned other situations. He mourned Jerusalem. Jesus gets you in your mourning. Jesus understands your mourning here this morning. But Jesus gets you. That's the good news. If you think no one gets me, Jesus gets you. You may think that pastor guy who's preaching his lungs out, he doesn't get me. That's okay. Jesus gets you. Jesus gets you. Jesus understands what it is to be in pain. Jesus understands what it is to mourn. Jesus understands what it is to be separated from his heavenly father and abandoned on the cross. None of us get that. He gets that, but he gets us more than anybody else. So I love that about Jesus. He gets the whole thing, what it is to be in mourning. Is this the type of mourning that Jesus is talking about in, in, in the, the Beatitudes? I don't actually think he is. The, the, the mourning that he's talking, so he gets mourning, but the mourning that he's talking about when you take the whole eight, whole eight of the Beatitudes together is a mourning of the soul, the lostness of man, where, where we, we grieve the former life, so Jesus gets mourning, but he also gets us. And he gets the fact that we need to come into relationship with him. The second kind of, of, of mourning is, is sinful mourning. It's, it's, it's mourning for something that God doesn't want us to have. There's certain things that people crave that God doesn't want you to crave. It may be that you're on your third or fourth marriage and you're pining after your first wife or first hu husband. That's called, that's wrong. <laughs> Let's be clear. That's wrong. It may be that you're pining after something that, that happened a while back and you're pining back to the past. That's wrong. The, the, there's a sinful mourning where we pine and we crave after things that God doesn't want us to have. We're craving for things. We're longing for things. And it's not the will of God. That's called sinful pining or sinful mourning. There's a, the, in Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 7, 10, it says, godly grief produces a repentance that leads to salvation without regret, whereas worldly grief produces death. So we need to recognize mourning. There's some mourning that's not right. There's some mourning that's, that's where people are being uh, covetous. If you, look at, if you look at, I'll give you an example. There's a man called Ahab. You remember, Je everyone read about Jezebel and Ahab. Everyone heard of the Jezebel spirit. Maybe we need to preach on that sometime. So uh, Ahab was married. He was a king of Israel, part of the 12 tribes, part of the system, part of the godly system. But he was a man that pined and craved after something. He, he, he had a palace. He had a kingdom. But next to the palace, there was a poor man named Naboth. Who had, it sounds like a Dundee man, doesn't it? Naboth. All right, Naboth. Aye, Naboth. So Naboth, who had a vineyard, Ahab set his eyes on Naboth's vineyard. The Bible says Ahab became vexed and sullen. Today you might say he had a pouty face. He was pouting. He, he, he was in mourning because he coveted that bit of land, but it wasn't his to have. But he wanted it, and I want it, and I want it now. That's called mourning. He was pining after something that didn't belong to him. And we need to be so careful. That's called false mourning. Don't mourn things that aren't yours to have. Shaboom. 
Some of you loved that word, didn't you? <laughs> so don't, don't, don't chase after things that are not ours. So it also led to the murder of Naboth, um, which is tragic. The other type of mourning is mourning over lost dreams. Some of us have had dreams that we've had to do things, or dreams and desires, and we mourn over the loss of these dreams. And it's important that we, we, we bury, sometimes we've got to bury some of these dreams. Those dreams that I've had, and I've just realized, God, I need to conduct a funeral service over these dreams. They're not your will. They were made up in my head, in my heart. And I just say, God, I take them and I bury them right now. I no longer covet these things anymore in Jesus' name. But the type of mourning, the last one we look, want to look at is spiritual mourning. And it's mourning, it's, it's a sorrow over our, our sins against God. There's a man called W. Pink, he says, the mourning for which Christ promises divine comfort is a sorrowing over sins with a godly sorrow. I want to tell you that the, 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 the Beatitudes, they're beautiful. The be Billy Graham calls them the beautiful attitudes, the Beatitudes. And they are beautiful, but they're tough as well. Because before we get to the next one, there has to be a humbling. And I love the Word of God. And in one sense, I didn't want to preach this this morning because I wanted to preach a, oh, happy day, happy day. I wanted to preach a happy word. I was like, Lord, I want to preach a, a happy word. But I want to tell you, this is a happy word. Because Jesus said, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. And I love the Word, and I love Jesus, and I believe that His Word changes people for the glory of God. Amen? Can we all stand? Is that okay? And we'll pray. Do you know, can I tell you that there's a miracle taking place here this morning? I've actually finished my set. There's a wee clock on that screen that none of you see from here. But I've actually finished five minutes early. Miracles happen. <laughs> Miracles happen. But in closing, no, I'm just kidding. So let's just pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that your word has power. We thank you, Jesus, that you taught these things to your disciples, your 12, your core, but you also taught them to the crowd, the people who would listen and hear. And at the end of it, it says, God, that the crowd were amazed because you taught as one having great authority. So, Jesus, we thank you for your authority here this morning, and we thank you for the power of your word. And, Father, I pray for, for those of us who are coming to an end of ourselves, we're mourning the loss because of sinful nature. I pray this morning, oh God, that we would repent and we would turn our lives around and we would follow you 100% and wholeheartedly. And we ask, oh God, this morning that our hearts would be yielded to your word. We wouldn't make your word in our image, God help us, but we would make ourselves in, in your image. We'd allow the image of your word to shape us for your glory. Help us, oh God, we pray, that we would, we would see your kingdom come, that Jesus, we would be enveloped in your kingdom. And as we journey through your word, as we journey in our hearts, we would know you in such a powerful, powerful way. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. I want to invite the band up now. We're gonna, we're gonna worship some more. But I also, I, I want to invite people to respond to the Holy Spirit because He is worthy of praise and He is worthy of response. And if you sense in your heart you want to respond to the word here this morning. I don't want to, 
I don't want to say what it is, but if you know in your heart of hearts, you need to respond to the word this morning. If you don't know Jesus and you'd like to know him this morning, come and respond. If you, if you know in your heart of hearts, you need to respond. Just come and stand at the front as we worship. We'll just make this open. There's a big space here. We'd be honored and privileged to pray with you this morning. But I believe that God's going to do some amazing things in people's hearts because when there's an outpouring of the Holy Spirit, Someone incredible takes place in Jesus' name.